Hello and welcome to the Sports Code Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me, as usual, is the product master, Ruben Williams. How are you, mate? G'day, Ryan. I'm very well, thank you. It's a pleasure, as always, to be chatting with you. Uh, the Paralympics are kicking off tomorrow morning and I cannot wait. We've got one of the uh, the superstars of the, of the pool joining us today, which is unbelievable. Yes, mate. Matt Levy is joining us. Um, I must say, it's been a bit weird without the Olympics on. Like mm-hmm. I got into a real rhythm there. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for the Paralympics to start. Just feels that gap in my life, you know. That's um, right. It, it was being filled and and uh, it went. So it gives you an excuse to have the TV on all day. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably fair. I think a lot of Zoom calls, you saw people doing these ones with their eyes. There's always <laughs> maybe a TV in the background. Um, well, certainly me when the swimming was on, I was... I was yeah. not good. You always wonder with those people who put themselves on mute and then put themselves on no camera, what they're really doing yeah. behind that camera. And yeah. I suspect during the Olympics, there would have been a lot of people just with their back to a few Zoom calls. Yeah. It's weird because, yeah, they often correlated with gold medal finals. So, yeah, anyway, not putting, not pointing any fingers. You know, um, you know who you are. Yeah. And they'd be listening too. Um, before we start, a great message for our beloved sponsor, Deakin University. Um, if if no one knows yet, well, they're about to know um, <laughs> that Deakin University, basically, well, not basically, it's confirmed that every single course is backed by industry experts. So you can be confident you'll get the job you want with a degree that employers want. Deakin University, progressive real world learning. We might have to um, bring back your uh, your old tagline, Ryan, which was a uh, real no uh, progressive medal earning. Oh yeah, university progressive real world medal earning. Well, maybe we almost need to have a policy that whenever there's Olympic Games on, <laughs> so in four years' time, and then the Paralympic Games are on in a, in the four years' time, that we're allowed to use real world mm. medal learning. Yep. yep. Um. I'd so imagine, we'll see how we go with that. I'd imagine this partnership will be in a very healthy position in four years' time. Oh, I we best not even speculate. It'll be <laughs> new heights. So, <laughs> um, before we start, um, connect with us on LinkedIn uh, if you'd love to learn more about us, our background, the story about how we came to be talking into a microphone to each other, and industry experts out there. Uh, we'd love to chat to you and. Um, we'd love to tell our story as well, uh, so get in touch with us. Um, let's get cracking, Rube. So Matt Levy, we spoke to him. Uh, it was an awesome chat. Um, he's about to be a five-time Paralympian, uh, which was absolutely awesome. What are some things that stuck out to you? Yeah, Matt is unbelievable. Not only is he a five-time Paralympic athlete, he's a gold medalist. He also works at Westpac. He's also written a book. He's also done an MBA. He's just an incredible all-round human being. He casually dropped on us that he's got an Order of Australia medal as well. I think this is by far the most accomplished person we've ever chatted to on the Sports Grad podcast. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me is some of the things you need to work with elite athletes of Matt's caliber. A lot of people get into sport, and I certainly did this. I thought I was going to go down the exercise science 
pathway when I started studying, thinking they're going to work with elite athletes. And so Matt gave us a rundown on what are the key things that he needs from the people around him to make sure he can go out there and, you know, break world records, get gold medals um, and just be the best athlete he can be. But it all starts with the support staff and what they're made of. So he gave us a really good insight into what you need to be. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, I, I love the the athlete mindset stuff you mentioned. Um, a lot about sort of when to relax and when to go. And I thought it was quite interesting having just seen all these amazing athletes do their thing on the world stage. And, you know, sometimes you look at them, you're like, what, what are they doing? But like inside, you kind of know that they're in their element and they're doing exactly what they're trained to do. So uh, it was great hearing about that. And then finally, Matt's story is just like such an inspiration on its own. You know, he was born premature. He's had 53 different operations and he's a five-time Paralympic athlete with a whole bunch of gold medals with an Order of Australia medal on top of that. Um, so he's just an incredible inspiration. And when you listen to him talk, you'll feel inspired to get up and go, whatever it is that you are putting off today. So um I uh, yeah, I can't wait to share this chat with uh, with Matt Levy. Awesome. Well, on that note, grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Matt Levy. Matt, welcome to the Sports Grade Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here. Matt, I want to start somewhere slightly different to where we usually kick off these uh, episodes, and that is with the cover photo from your LinkedIn profile. Um, now the reason why this is interesting is it's got a great graphic of yourself in the pool and the numbers 53, 56, 83, what do these numbers represent to you? Uh, I guess back when I kind of did that background, uh, it was really, uh, something that, uh, stuck with me in terms of, um, the goals I kind of want to do and where I want to be heading. Uh, the, the numbers, uh, I guess refer to, um, how many people I guess I want to, uh, how many people I want to influence, I guess, through my journey and how I guess I want to uh, promote um, the work that I, I guess I kind of do. And I guess the numbers sort of, I guess, represent that in, in, in a way. Um, the, uh, yeah, I guess it's just the, something that kind of reminds me of like where I want to be heading. Awesome. Do they, um, what, what are the individual, um, metrics for each of them? Do they have separate meanings or do they, or they similar in nature? Uh, they're pretty similar in nature. Um, I'm just going to bring it up. So, uh, yeah, so basically the, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty similar in HI, just going really towards uh, how I want to, I guess, convey my message and, and what I want to do. And I guess the 53 uh, is really to um, typifies, uh, I guess, the amount of operations that I've had. Um, the, um, the 56, I guess, really, really refers to um, the uh, amount of uh, hours I guess I spend um, in the pool and, and that kind of thing. And then the 83, um, that really refers to uh, 
I guess the the journey that I that I want to get to. Um, I think that really, at the end of the day, I think the eighty three um, it really means eighty three thousand. So uh, I guess it's uh, the amount of the reach. I guess I want to reach in terms of uh, the exposure. Um, I couldn't couldn't fit the number of zeros in in, in that background. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was really I guess um, something that I when I kind of did that background, I kind of wanted to kind of have some kind of meaning attached to it. Awesome. Yeah. I, c- I can see why you can't fit the, the three extra series on there. It would look, <laughs> look a little bit funny. Yeah. Matt, um, you were born premature with cerebral palsy and you've had 53 operations, as you mentioned, talk to us about some of the hardship that you've had to overcome and what have you learned from all of that? Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I've had, obviously, I was born pretty early. Um, I've got uh, cerebral palsy and uh, vision impaired. And uh, yeah, I guess it's pretty, pretty tough, tough goings. But I think the, what I've kind of learned throughout that time is that uh, we are given a lot of things in life. We are given, everyone's given, I guess, an opportunity to make the most of what they've got. Um, we don't, I guess, have the luxury of choosing what the beginning is, but we, can certainly write our own stories and write the our own message throughout our, our lives. And I think what I've really learned is that we can uh, all take opportunities for granted. And it's really about taking each opportunity as they come and not taking them for granted, but uh, really kind of understanding that you never really know when that opportunity won't be there. And um, yeah, just to, I guess, try and be the best version of yourself. You can be whatever that may be. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we all, I guess, start with something. Um, and yeah, it's just really about what we learn along the way that um, I guess makes us who we are. Matt, that's a terrific mindset. Were you born with that sort of mindset or did that take time to develop? Uh, I think for me, I guess it took time to develop through experiences, through learning, through, I guess, what I've kind of gone through. And I think it really started, I guess, probably with my, my parents and I guess the upbringing as well um, to really kind of instill those values and beliefs, I guess, in me. And then I guess through those values and beliefs that I learned really early on, um, it kind of helped uh, shape those experiences by, I guess, not giving up um, when, when the chips were down, not, not I guess, uh, rolling out of rolling um over and turning off the alarm um and i want to not want to go swimming training um uh, all those kind of i guess early life lessons i guess that you learn uh i guess has really helped me through throughout that journey and and um to uh understand i guess what it really means um to be successful fantastic um I want to learn more about uh, your career as a professional athlete and an elite swimmer. Can you tell us about some of the different events that you compete in? And uh, you're going for your fifth Olympic Games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, fifth Paralympic Games, but um, yep. it would be nice to go to Olympics. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, I guess um, I've done, I guess, many events, uh, Paralympics, World Championships, uh, Commonwealth Games. Uh, I, I compete across a range of different disciplines. Um, 50 freestyle, 100 freestyle, uh, 400 freestyle sometimes, um, 200 individual medley, 
50 uh, by fire and um, relays as well. So I've got a usually pretty big program. Uh, this time around for the games in Tokyo, I've got um, three events. Um, so I'll be competing in the 100 face, 100, 4 by 100 freestyle relay, uh, 100 breaststroke individual, uh, and 50 breaststroke, uh, 50, 50 freestyle um, individual events. But um, yeah, I've, over my career, I've been done probably everything bar backstroke, I think, in my in my time. Um, so yeah, well-versed in the different disciplines and distances. I reckon backstroke and um, butterfly are like the, kind of the odd ones out with swimming, <laughs> don't you reckon, Rubes? Like, watching oh. on TV, we all love the freestyle. That's my, well, maybe not everyone loves it, but I love the freestyle. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like you've got a packed <laughs> schedule. Yeah, yeah, this time around, I think it's day... Day five, six, or day four, yeah. six, and seven. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sp- spread um, middle to back end. Uh, but, yeah, it'd be really great to, I guess, get out over there and compete. And, uh, yeah, no matter how old or young you are, you always love to compete for your country and kind of uh, compete with the best in the world. It should be pretty exciting. Mm. And can you tell us a bit about some of the achievements that you've had in the past? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, uh, I won my first gold medal in 2008, uh, Beijing uh, Paralympics, um, in, as part of the 4x100 medley relay, um, which is pretty pretty cool. And yeah, you never forget your first. Uh, I'd, I'd say a, a Paralympic gold medal is is very cool. You you, you don't have to play that down. <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess to hear your national anthem being played is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, like you never forget that moment. And uh, from an individual perspective, uh, I've won a, in London, I won a gold, a silver and three bronze, which is, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Rio, um, I won a bronze in the 200 medley relay. Uh, and yeah, I won a, a few um, world championships medals um, and a Commonwealth Games gold in Gold Coast uh, Commonwealth Games in 2018. Uh, and I've been awarded a OAM uh, Order of Australia medal in 2014. Um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That's quite the <laughs> um, quite the trophy cabinet. Um, yeah. <laughs> certainly beats ours. I think mine's in my garage in Perth, in a box or maybe in a bin somewhere. But that, yeah. that is uh, that's ultra impressive. Um, mm. I was just wondering because obviously you're off to Tokyo in what is it a few days time. Oh, not to the 18th. 19th. Not to the 18th, yeah. yeah. Um, how does sort of like the preparation change this year because it is such a unique Paralympics, like Tokyo, obviously COVID, um, has much changed in terms of, you know, when you get there, your preparation, how you sort of, how you can operate whilst you're there. I'm sure it would be a little bit more complicated than, than previous Paralympics you've been to. Yeah, so you don't know the full ins and outs, but it's... um. Yeah, pretty much a COVID test daily. Um, masks you have to wear everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, we're not, going, we're not allowed to go to the dining hall, um, get our food. We have to get it delivered or get catered services that deliver it. Uh, and um, yeah, masks every pretty day. much up. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> masks pretty much up until you get on the blocks. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, I'm not sure what other stuff would be involved, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty strict and pretty stringent. Um, yeah, I guess it's obviously for a reason to keep us all healthy and 
not not um get COVID. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and a lot of other protocols in place. Like we got our first COVID test today um, as part of us being in the bubble. Um, and we have two more, I think, before we leave here. Uh, and yeah, um, other than that, um, it was, it's pretty much just racing and a bit of training. Fantastic. Matt, a lot of the people in our audience, um, you know, they're similar to us weren't quite good enough to, to make it in sport. Maybe there's some people out there who, who have made it in sport. We won't speak on behalf of everybody, but the next best option is to try and work in sport and work with elite athletes such as yourself. So I was wondering, Matt, if you'd be able to share with us um, maybe some of the different roles or, or coaches or support staff that help you compete at the Olympic Games or the Paralympic Games. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it obviously doesn't take... Uh, uh, one individual that, to get me there um, it, it's a myriad of different people um, from my coach um, who who, set, um, who I get coached by every day um, twice a day mostly uh, like he I guess gives me the sets and, and, and all that training stuff um, to, to get me to that next level and um, on top of that um, we have sports scientists to analyze, analyze the data um, that we uh, whether we do in what we do in training or, or in a race um, to kind of see where we can kind of improve on. Um, and then you've got sports physiologists that um, analyze, I guess, your, your diets, your turns, that kind of stuff to, to give you that one, um, one or half, half percent uh, improvement um, to kind of get to the next level. Uh, and yeah, you have sports psychologists um, that we work with as well. Uh, and um, yeah, on top of that, uh, there's strength and conditioning coaches um, that work with you in the gym, uh, Pilates coaches, uh, yoga coaches, if you do that. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got all the admin staff that um, work in the various sports to kind of um, do the day-to-day paperwork to get you clearance to go and travel and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, there's certainly a lot of people that, I guess, are involved in, in the, the process of one athlete's dream, but definitely not that um it's um yeah thousands of people involved to get that person to that starting lineup to potentially get a medal at the end of the day uh yeah i think that's a pretty good summary of i guess what's involved from an elite athlete perspective there's a lot of myriad of different uh people involved um from the people directly involved to people indirectly involved but at the end of the day it's uh yeah, it's a team effort. Can you identify some of the, the key skills or qualities that, you know, the people around you, the, the staff that make this all happen, make them really important members of the team? Uh, I guess communication is one thing. Uh, empathy and having an understanding of the athlete's journey um, is probably not uh, uh, probably another thing. I think they're probably the three key uh skill sets i guess that i can kind of think of that make those people important and and i guess make what they do uh pretty pretty up there with um helping the athlete get to that starting lineup i think um the job aside they need to have i guess those three uh attributes to um allow them to sometimes step back and take a breath and to understand that it's our journey at the end of the day. And, and sometimes they need to tweak, I guess, what they do to 
um, to help that athlete get to that next next level. And uh, yeah, I guess they are experts at what they do. They're experts at the job that they do, but um, yeah, they need to have, I guess, understanding of the journey that the athletes going on and um, I guess a bit of empathy and humility as well. I think, I think that empathy piece is one of the reasons why you see so many elite athletes end up working back in the sport and why they, they get those positions because they've, they've been there before. Yeah. And I've heard, I've had conversations with students before who have said things like, you know, to get a job in sport, you have to have been an athlete, which isn't entirely true. But no, definitely not. <laughs> no, but um, I had this conversation with uh, Jenny Screen uh, in 2017, who is a basketballer, part of the Opals in, in Beijing, silver medalist. And um, she is now an exercise physiologist and strength and conditioning coach. And uh, she said a similar thing that, you know, you don't have to have been a professional athlete to work in sport. But in saying that, you know, she's been there. She's had that own experience. She understands what the athletes are going through. So she can be mindful of the different considerations that come up when you're working with an athlete. So um, that empathy piece for the athlete seems to be such a, a critical piece to, to work on, you know, if you don't come from an elite background yourself. Yeah, I guess it's um, at the end of the day, I- so a lot of the time athletes know I guess well they you know your body you know what how you can kind of get yourself to that next level it's really about uh those people I guess involved in that journey are more there to uh give you I guess tools and give you different stuff that potentially you might not know of um previously and uh I guess the athletes have got to that stage at some point because they're skillful and I guess had the skills and the knowledge previously so it's really I guess up to the people that they have in their inner circle that to get them I guess to that next level and um yeah you you know really should lean I guess lean on the athletes a lot for for, um to understand I guess what their journey is and how they kind of improve to the best of their ability I guess Matt, one of the other things that comes up in, in commentary a fair bit is the athlete's mindset. When you hear the term athlete's mindset, what are some of the components of it that you think are critical for high performance? Uh, uh, I guess part of the athlete mindset is being driven, is being uh, able to understand, I guess, where to, where to push and where to uh, relax. Um, and I think... Um, part of being an athlete is one you need to, I guess, know um, what to do to improve, but also you need to know, I guess, when to ask for feedback and, and take feedback on board as well. I think um, part of um, being a elite athlete is a lot about taking feedback on board um, as well as um, searching for feedback and I think uh, a lot of athletes don't do, do that as well as they probably could um, and I think yeah from my perspective uh, I guess I've been able to do that throughout my career and it's allowed and helped me uh, move forward with my um, with my career and allowed me to go to um, my fifth games. There's a lot of students coming through 
exercise science and sports management degrees who want to work in, you know, and, and with elite athletes. Yeah. For those who end up working with an athlete, what's one thing that you should not do? Um, I guess one thing you should probably not do is not listen to the athlete. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, I think, uh, yeah, you can like, I guess, give advice and give feedback and um, try and improve them in other ways. But I think the first port of call would be to listen to <clears throat> the athlete for, first and see what I guess their uh, opinion is and, and what their tact in the situation is. Because um, I guess as a sports exercise science, um, I guess you're there to improve their um, the way that they're doing something or, or what way that they approach particular activity. And I think if you listen to the athlete first and, and hear, I guess, part of their journey and what how they kind of uh, see it, um, you might be able to, I guess, put it into a better perspective. What, what, what are some of the, um, I guess, what, what, what's the danger of, of not listening to the athlete? Um, I guess the danger of not listening in my mind would be um, you get, I guess, three or four months down the track. And if you ask a particular question or you, you, uh, you, yeah, you asked a particular question at that, at three or four months prior, you might've been able to get to the answer a lot quicker. I think um, the drawback of not uh, listening to the athlete or the athletes um, would be that you, you might spend a lot of time just going around in circles and not, um, not getting anywhere. And if you ask, uh, ask the right questions first up, um, you might be able to uh, get to that answer a lot quicker. I can imagine when you're in a, an elite training program where every single day is set out for you well in advance and you've got this regime that you need to, to follow, there's no time to be wasted at, at any point yeah yeah it's definitely um uh i guess you only have so many seconds in the day and it's um yeah not um not to be wasted and uh, we've been lucky i guess to get an extra year for um for uh training for an olympic or paralympic games but that doesn't happen every every um cycle and uh yeah to be able to i guess improve and to improve like that one percent each session is very difficult and um yeah, it's 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 um, I guess up to the whole team that you have around you to get you there, not just um, one or two individuals or that one person. How do you think the the extra year has had an impact? Because you know, right now Olympics is on, and you, like I can't help but think that one year is you know it's a really long period of time. Do you reckon that is more detrimental to someone, or is it more of a benefit to all of them to probably perform better? And they would have if they only had four years to prepare um i think depends on where you are on the scale like if you're towards the end of your career it's pretty tough because um yeah. gives like the young ones about uh, 12 more months to to train and and um they wouldn't have been around that that previous year yeah um but then if you're if you're an up-and-comer and going into your second games for example um it's it's to probably to your benefit to have an extra extra gear but um for someone like me if uh that's towards the end of their career um, to hang on for another 12 months uh, as opposed to it being there last year um, is a bit of a different um, kettle of fish. So mm. it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly interesting. And um, yeah, a lot of 
people that have won medals even just recently um the first week of the olympics people had never really heard of because they weren't around um when the last major meet was which was 2019 so yeah. uh yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult and yeah. it depends on where you are on the spectrum of, of your athletic career. And you, so have you found it quite tough a lot this last year, personally? Um, just more about more from my own mental perspective, not like yeah. trying to have in my mind, like whether I can do it still or, or yeah. um, whether I can hang on or um, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly tricky. Like your body's not getting any younger and I guess recovery takes a lot longer um, from that perspective. So, mm. This is going back to Rio 2016, but I would can imagine, you know, racing Carl Chalmers as a 17 year old compared to as an 18 year old would have been a very different prospect. Obviously he won that gold medal when he, when he turned 18. So there would have been a few people, as you mentioned, benefiting from an extra year's maturity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, him as a 17 year old I don't think even made an Australian team at, mm. in an individual event so um yeah definitely yeah definitely helps <laughs> mm. um Ryan you might remember this way back when um uh we were both at Cricket Australia together Drew Ginn was one of the executive general managers um part of the awesome foursome uh gold medalist uh rowing quad and um he spoke a bit about the um training cycle for an Olympics and how their training programs are planning, you know, for games, not only four years out, but eight years out, 12 years out. Matt, I was wondering if you could give us a bit of an insight into the, uh, the Olympic cycle and, and how you start to prepare and how perhaps you've been managing in the past to prepare, prepare for Olympic games, not only four years out, but, but eight years out and what sort of implications that can have for people who are thinking about their career in, in other areas. Um, yeah, I think for me, I guess I kind of focus on each cycle as they come. Uh, so after one game finishes, I kind of focus on the next um, and vice versa. And I think it's really important to break it down. Like, yeah, you have a, once you realise that you want to have a goal of going to Tokyo or Paris or whatever it may be, um, you, that's all great and well to have, I guess, that goal. But it's good to break it down as well and to like uh, – so next year there's world championships and Commonwealth games and breaking down to smaller bite-sized chunks to kind of keep yourself motivated. Cause I guess having that one goal of Olympics um, for four years or five years in this case uh, is very draining mentally. So um, to see, I guess, improvement in yourself, um, you need to, I guess, break it down to really kind of understand that uh, where, um, where you need to improve on um, to get, to the end goal, which would potentially be a medal at the end of the um, end of the day. So, um, yeah, it's really important to uh, look at it with a glass half full and, yeah, know that the goal is there, but um, to break it down into world championships, Commonwealth Games and um, nationals and all the small meets in between to kind of see improvement. Nice. I, yeah. I can't imagine planning for something so far. I just, it'd be hard to, sort of see the end result but i can you know almost guarantee and as you've experienced the you know the success that you get off the back of planning for something so far out would be so much better than just doing something quickly so yeah yeah kudos to you. that would be amazing um matt another thing um another issue sort of students face is is time management 
and we we speak about time management a lot on the podcast because you know it is so key to success these days you've had many different roles from working at Westpac Bank to writing your own book to representing Australia at a fifth Paralympic Games how do you manage your time effectively so that you're able to operate at the highest level in everything that you're doing yeah it's it's pretty tricky it's really about I guess prioritizing and really working out where your priorities lie um and yeah it's really about I guess on a daily basis I guess knowing what you're doing and, and where you're going and and how, how you're gonna I guess get there uh because yeah it's it's, it's tricky sometimes to have I guess a lot on but um it's certainly doable with like 24 hours in a day um but um yeah it's just really about remembering what uh yeah and trying to kind of prioritize what you're doing and, and what needs to be uh put on hold and what needs to be I guess done then and then and there and uh yeah I, um yeah it's it's certainly tricky <laughs> what, what sort of um tools or planners or systems do you use to to keep on top of your time because i imagine you've probably got you know a work calendar and you've probably got a schedule from your your swimming coach as well and you've probably got personal stuff as well to fit in between what what sort of things do you use to keep it all condensed uh yeah i guess i use a calendar and um i just make sure that i've color coded things and making sure that i've got uh yeah, I know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. Uh, and yeah, I guess I know when I'm training, um, that's usually pretty, pretty standard. Um, and then it's just really about fitting everything in in between um, and not over, overloading myself. And uh, I guess when I was doing an MBA, it was really about um, making sure that the team knew when I was here, when I wasn't here, um, when, I, when I was a training and not a training and that kind of thing. So um, it's also making people aware of what you're doing and, and when you're doing it and um, being having open and honest communication, I think is important as well. Not so much, uh, it's as important, I guess, as the time management side of things, but um, yeah, I think it's important to be uh, open and transparent to the people that you're communicating with as well, um, as well as I guess, knowing your own uh, schedule. Unreal. And f finally, Matt, most of us will never get to experience this, but can you describe the feeling when you're walking into the stadium at the opening ceremony of a Paralympic Games wearing the green and gold? What, what's it like? Um, well, I've never done that, so I wouldn't know. Because um, um, we don't go to the opening ceremony because the swimming is too close to the Games. Oh, like, really? Yeah. So, but, um, but I can, yeah. Um, Closing ceremony? Uh, yeah. It's a little bit different though. You're kind of over it by then. What, um, what about when you walk into, when you're about to swim? Yeah. You're walking out. I've seen a video on your LinkedIn of you walking out about to swim. What's, what's it sort of like when, you know, you hear the crowd and you like, cause I can imagine I look at swimming and I'm like, Jesus, that looks real tense on the blocks. Like that, that would be crazy. What's that uh, like? Yeah, so it's really about staying calm and kind of soaking up all the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, it's just really about, I guess, trying to remember why you're there and, and what you've done in training and um, not get too overawed by the whole occasion. Because um, at the end of the day, you're just swimming a couple of laps um, and you've done all the hard work previous to that. So, um, 
yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, I guess when you think back on it, um, and yeah, it's, you do get a bit nervous, but nerves are good. But yeah, it's really about just staying calm, staying focused, and uh, yeah, enjoying enjoying the ride. I guess. Unreal. Well, like you just said, it's just like a couple of couple of laps, you know, as yeah. you do. I love that. Um, but Matt, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been absolutely awesome hearing from you as, you know, someone who's about to go to their fifth Paralympic Games. I think that is literally insane. Um, and like a couple of questions we asked there around, you know, your time management about how you juggle all these things. Um it's just crazy to think what what your days look like. So um, we really appreciate you coming on and we'll be certainly watching how you go in Tokyo. Um, you've definitely obviously got us two fans that will be cheering on you hard um, right now. So um, thanks. thanks again for coming on and um, good luck again. No worries. Thanks for having me. All righty, Ruse. Well, that was... Well, something else. I uh, can't say I've spoken to a uh, soon-to-be five-time Paralympic athlete before. Um, what are some some key takeaways for you? Yeah, well, certainly not an Order of Australia medalist as well. Um, you know, that, this is the uh, this is the uh, the the caliber of people we've been crying out for, Ryan. We mm. love our other guests; they're fantastic. Uh, Matt's a, a different type of elite, which is un, unreal to hear from. Um, but I no doubt right now he'll, he'll be, uh, resting up for his first event. He mentioned he doesn't go to the opening ceremony, which is kicking off tomorrow. So, yeah. um, he'll be, uh, wrapped up in, um, in Conwell Gunnery's for, for his first event. But, um, for me, that was just like an incredible inspiration. Like I'm inspired right now to go out and run, you know, 20 kilometers after hearing what he's been through. He's done 53 operations, been to five Paralympics nothing is a barrier format nothing is slowing him down and it kind of just makes me feel like you know all my little problems are completely insignificant and that the reasons why i'm not doing them are you know pretty you know minuscule compared to what matt has had to overcome and what he's achieved in the process so um ryan for me i'm ready to run through a brick wall after chatting to matt (laughs) Well, knowing you, you, you can run 20Ks quite easily. So that, that wouldn't be too hard for you. I'm not sure about the brick wall. Brick wall. Um, we'll see about that one. Um, my takeaway was just hearing, you know, a little bit about how, you know, people sometimes think to, to work in sport, you've got to have been in sport and you had to perform as an athlete and, you know, and be in whatever sport that you want to work in. Not the case. Um, if that was the case, then we wouldn't exist. Um, but Matt sort of spoke about how, you know, if you want to get into that area of sport, you want to, you know, work with athletes, you've got to find a way to understand them. Um, so my takeaway would be if you are interested in working directly with athletes in whatever sport it might be, find, find a way to, um, to understand them, understand their story, um, you know, speak, speak to them about what, what their day-to-day looks like, what are the issues that they face, what are the challenges um, when they're, you know, with people and, and people working in that sport with them. Because um, that's only, the only real way you're going to understand what, you, what you're what you getting into. Um, so, yeah, I think find the time to, to connect with an athlete, speak to them about what, what, what they do 
and how you can support them. Um, and that, that'll give you a great insight. Yeah, that that empathy piece is, is so important. You've, we've just seen a couple of really uh, key sports people in the world be celebrated for speaking out about what they're currently going through. I'm talking about Simone Biles, who stepped out of the Olympics momentarily, and uh, Naomi Osaka, who um, pulled out of the, uh, was it the French Open? Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you, you can just see by those two two examples that the people around them need to have a level of empathy to understand what they're going through so they can best help them. And as you mentioned, some of those tactics around just have conversations, listen to their interviews, develop that understanding is going to be critical for your success. Absolutely. Well, that's us done. Thanks for listening. Find us on LinkedIn. If you want to chat about anything that we spoke about in this podcast or any podcast prior, um, or if you just want to chat about what we're doing Sunday or, you know, maybe you want to understand what Ruben's coffee order is or uh, whatever it is, get in touch with us. We'll, uh, we'd love to chat. So we'll see you next time.